Hey, and thanks for listening to the Big Time Talker podcast on the Blog Talk Radio Network, live from Washington, D.C., Burke Allen here, and the podcast is service of our buddies at SpeakerMatch.com, the world's largest online virtual speakers bureau. If you're a meeting planner or you're a speaker and you need to get together and figure out how to make that all work in today's new world, be sure to log on to SpeakerMatch.com. Thank you so much for listening. Hey, we've got a fun show today. It's it's really fun. And when I say fun, I'm not just whistling Dixie. I'm talking about a guy who wrote the book about fun. It's actually, and I'm not making this up, called The Power of Fun. Dave Raymond is our guest today. And this is the guy that put on the green fur for almost two decades as the Philly fanatic for the Phillies, and he's all about the fun, and he joins us today on the Big Time Talker podcast. Hello, sir. Hey, Burke, how you doing? I, it's great to be with you, and, and for those of you, uh, you know, our audience who's, who's tuning in remotely, just realize it's so much better because I smell wonderful now compared to when I did when I was in the fanatic costume. So I, I'm bummed that you can't see the fanatic and hug him and kiss him, but you know, you don't have to smell him. So that's, that's the benefit of today's show. So clearly what you're saying is you were not only the Philly fanatic, you were the funky Philly fanatic. <laughs> Certainly at, at times, yes. At the end of a long homestand for, for, uh, before the fanatic was able to get his bath, uh, certainly it was not the most pleasant aroma to be associated with. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we, we really wanted to have you on the show today because I, I think we all need a dose of positivity uh, because of where we are in the world. And I want to start by rewinding all the way back to a young Dave Raymond, and, and what is it in a young Dave Raymond's mind that says, you know, one day I'm going to grow up to put on a fursuit and jump around in a Major League Baseball stadium? How does that happen? Oh, it, it certainly was not by a plan. I mean, I grew up wanting to be my father. My, my father was a head football coach at the University of Delaware. He's in the College Football Hall of Fame, and that's all I knew. A local icon, a hero in our community, and I, I just wanted to be a, a play football for him at Delaware, which I got a chance to do, and then be a coach. And he's the one. It's funny that, that you're, uh, the title is Big Time Talker because my dad used to say, you know, David, you really have a natural way to communicate. Now sit down and shut up. So, <laughs> so I don't know. I was kind of a big time talker when I was a little kid and my dad was trying to, uh, you know, calm me down a little bit, but he helped me get a job with the Phillies because he knew the Carpenter family, uh, the owners of the Phillies. So I started in, in 1976 and had uh, what was supposed to be a two year internship. And in 1978, when I was about to finish up college at Delaware, they called and said, Hey, listen, you've got your same job job back for another intern. Can you work this summer? Yes. Will you stay for all the games, which was the perk. I mean, I would stay for the games for free, and I was, I'm a huge Phillies fan. So I said, sure, of course. They, uh, and they said, we're going to pay you to stay for the games. I'm like, all right, what do you want me to do? And they, they said, we need you to go to New York and get fitted for the costume. <laughs> and I'm like, what? <laughs> you know, and, and then I didn't protest because I realized, hey, I got my job back. And at that point, my, I realized my father was right. You know, being a football coach may not have been what I had made it up to be looking at my father's success. And now I had a chance, you know, because there was no sports marketing back then, Burke. It was, you know, I, I was working in the promotions office doing all kinds of intern stuff. Yep. And then I realized, wow, I could I could actually grow up with the Phillies and, and have a full time job working in entertainment and, and promotions. And so that, you know, that turned into a 16 year career. The Fanatic was rolled out. Uh, most everybody thought it was the dumbest idea on the planet, just like Gritty, who we were involved in helping the Flyers bring Gritty to life same type of thing but the fanatic immediately became a success 
and both at the stadium and outside thousands and thousands of personal appearances and the, the most amazing job you could ever imagine because it was my job. I was forced to deal with joy, gratitude, love, affection constantly. Uh, and that, of course, when you look at it in terms of, of being forced, you think it's a negative. Well, if you're forced to be involved in that all the time, it has a very wonderful positive effect on your own personality. And I didn't recognize it because I, I was just, hey, I got a job. You know, I got to be stupid and silly because they'll find somebody that could do stupid for less than me. And I, I got to be as good as I possibly can be at being silly. And, uh, you know, it wasn't really until life's made a pretty ominous turn for me like it can for all of us at times and what we're going through now that I, I started to recognize that I was blessed with, uh, with a real tool that could help me overcome. Dave Raymond, our guest today, the original Philly fanatic, started that back in 78, did it all the way through the mid-90s and uh, was about as big as, as they come in the mascot vein. Now, as you said back then, it's not like it is today where everybody has a mascot in, in you know, college and professional athletics. You were, uh, if not the first, one of the first. So when you're trying to figure out what to do and how to come up with the stuff that made the, the Philly fanatic iconic, not just in Philadelphia, by the way, but you know, as you, I'm sure, are now aware, all over the country, all over the world, uh, how did you come up with, with the shtick and the stuff that you did? Well, it, it's, it's funny because I think you, know, you talked about enlightened leadership. The Phillies naturally were great leaders, and my boss's boss, who was really in charge of this project, Phil Giles, who also – uh, was one of the forces in having the Astrodome created. Um, you know, he believed that the Phillies needed more than baseball to to draw 65,000 people, which is what would fill a baseball game at Veterans Stadium then. And the Fanatic was his, um, you know, was his brainstorm on how to make it uh, perfect for the whole family. So instead of putting me in many boxes, when I went to him and said, and it was the first day I tried on the costume was the first day I was going to go out in front of these, the same fans that boot Santa Claus and the Easter Bunny. Yeah, I was buddy. going out to be a, a Muppet, a green Muppet. And I, I went to him and he could tell I was nervous. He said, David, look, you, you just go out and have fun. You know, uh, if, if you're not having fun, the fanatic will not become funny. And if, and if this isn't an exercise in being funny or humor, it won't work in front of our fans. And I, I went tearing out of his office and he yelled at me, G-rated fun, David, G-rated fun. So because I was a college student, he was telling me to have fun. He wanted to make sure I understood there was a box I needed to fit in, but uh, uh, the rest of it was up to me. So, you know, what, Three Stooges, Foghorn Leghorn, Daffy Duck, um, uh, slapstick humor, uh, and then, of course, the heart of the Phillies fan, uh, which is I was one of those. And I mashed all of that up, needed to be frenetic, wanted to bounce off the walls, um, and then – as I was doing those things, I would trip, not on purpose. I trip and I tripped and fell within the first 15 minutes of going out, and everybody <laughs> roared and laughed like I, like Jerry Lewis or you know uh, whatever physical comedian you could come up with had just done this great act. And I went, oh, I got to fall down more. And and so because Bill did not give me too much direction, he allowed some of my natural undiscovered talents. I I, I wasn't aware. I mean, I loved to dance as a kid. I was a good dancer. I understood dance culture, the music, uh, the music of Philadelphia, TSOP, you know, I, I, all of that I had, you know, just naturally, authentically in my bones. 
and uh, I was allowed to go out and make mistakes because and, and Bill would never call me in his office say never do that again. He said, "What were you thinking?" Explain it to him, and then he would talk to me about it, and then he would say, "Okay." I like it too, but let's do this. Or you need to come up with something different so you're not doing that all the time. And the, our whole first year was that collaboration of a, like a father who's you know got this young kid who's doing well in Little League Baseball. And the father doesn't want to screw anything up, but he's just, hey, try this. Do, you know, do this. Move your hands over here. You know, and, that's what, and we didn't know what we were talking about. We, and we were winging it. And I think that was the reason why the Fanatic um, became success because the Phillies were not – fearful of a mistake they weren't fear for fearful of failure they just let it go was there a time when you kind of realized and by the way we're talking with dave uh, raymond uh, dave raymond speaks.com is the website he's the original philly fanatic guy that, that started the whole deal was there a time when you realized wow this has kind of become a big deal this is more than me in a mascot suit it did, and it, and it really is the, the root uh, of the power of fun message and, and my theory that I was, I was learning all of these things anecdotally. And I was having the time of my life, um, you know, when I was about 33 years old, when we were called into a doctor's office with my mom and my dad and my brother and my sister, Debbie and Chris, and we're sitting there. And the doctor, you know, casually, like he was, you know, making small talk, said, your, your mother has a grade four glioblastoma brain tumor. It's about the size of my fist. It's in an area of her brain that we can't uh, operate on. Mm. And your mother has eight months to live. Oh, man. And if you can, I mean, think of the pandemic and how surreal. This is the way I can relate people to it today or anybody else who's gone through this type of um, struggle in their life and get this, this type of information dumped on them. It's surreal, like you're in a movie. And I remember walking out of that doctor's office. It was in Wilmington, Delaware, just being thoroughly confused. Like, wait, that, you know, my life, you know, leave it to Beaver, idyllic, no problems at all, no mortality of anybody. And suddenly my mom is going to die in, in eight months. And I, the, my first thought was, I can't do my job. I, I have to be a clown. So I, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm destroyed. I, I, I can't do it. Um, my mom lived, this is another thing about the doctor making this comment. My mom lived about eight months to the day of that diagnosis. And then my marriage dissolved at the same time. And I'm, I just, that was it. And I, I remember, not to be dramatic, I was thinking, well, I have one more fanatic appearance, and I'm going to do that, just get done with it. And I'm going to tell the Phillies I'm not going to do it anymore, and I'm going to come home and, quote, unquote, take care of this. I, that's just the way I was thinking. And that appearance was when I got in, you know, the fanatic took over, that personality took over. And it, um, uh, for those two hours, I have no, no pain, no sorrow no upset. I, it just disappeared for two, two hours. And I realized I needed that because I got out of the costume. I felt a little bit better. And I realized I need to get in that costume more. And what that, the formation of the theory was during the worst of times, we need to figure out a way to distract ourselves so that we have a few moments of pause. We've got a few moments of rewiring and refreshing our perspective. And if we continue to do that regularly daily, you can you have the strength to overcome things that you don't think you would possibly be able to overcome and and that's when i realized you know mascots in general are so powerful because they make these emotional connections with people but what's happening to the performer is it's 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 on a loop i love you come hug me i love you right come take a picture i love you hug yeah. hug hugs high five kiss and and you don't realize 
why that's working for you. And then when you study positive psychology, you see that these intentional activities, if you force yourself to smile, if you force yourself to be in a situation where you're doing something, a walk, meditation, a puzzle that distracts you, you, you get into this flow state and every time stops and everything goes away except that activity. And those activities are difficult to find because they need to fit you. They need to be authentic for you. And you need to practice them every single day, regardless of what's going on in your life. And that will sustain happiness for the long time, uh, different than winning the lottery or, or different than you know getting the promotion. Th those are short term. Uh, your brain adapts to them. They're never as good as you think they are. And frankly, the things that you think about that are bad are never going to be as bad as your brain tells you. So those are all the things that uh, were happening to me, and I wanted to deconstruct it and tell people, okay, you don't have the fanatic's personality to disappear into, but you do have these intentional activities. And and it's amazing how you know wonderful it is to see mascots or pieces of entertainment that you know are distracting people, and rec and they don't even know why it's making them feel better. And and now I have you know the power of fun is the theory that has been proven and. And I'm excited always to, to talk about it and to present it to my audiences. And, and that's what the book is about as well. The Power of Fun is the book we're talking about. And you can find it uh, online and also at DaveRaymondSpeaks.com as the original Philly fanatic joins us on the Big Time Talker podcast today. Um, I've always thought that, that folks who are mascots have this incredible advantage to be able to, to go out and do that. And then uh, you're sort of like the guys in Kiss. You take the grease paint off, and you can walk out the front door of Madison Square Garden with 20,000 fans. So you had the best of both worlds. You get to go out and fool around and have a great time and get uh, all that love to come to you from the fans without sort of the dark side of being a really famous guy, of being you know, Michael Jordan who can't go anywhere on the planet and have a peaceful meal. Um, and, and I wonder if, if you were cognizant of that when you were the fanatic that you really did have the best of both worlds there. It's so interesting. And of course, because you're involved in entertainment that, and, and through your management and, and working with uh, talent, you, you can see that that can sometimes be a debil debilitating part of what they have to deal with. Sure. And the rest of us go, oh, shut up. Look at all the great things that you get. Look how much you get paid. And and those things, again, your brain adapts to them, and they're, they're not as great as you think they are. And then dealing with having to be on at all times can really be difficult. So, yes, it was a beautiful part of it. it you know, at the beginning of all of my talks, because the question always is, hey, what was it like to be the fanatic? Or what was it like to be a mascot and get paid for it? And, and I kind of walk them through a dream scenario where they're going to come work for me. I give them the super suit. They put on that super suit and, and that personality takes over. Yours goes away and you're forced to go to all the best parties, all the best <laughs> events. And then when you show up, you're the star. And then you realize your superpower is just by showing up, you make people feel better. And then at the end of the day, you go back. I, I, I tell, the, I tell the, the audiences that are under 30, instead of sending them to a phone booth, I, I send them to a closet in the Apple store so they because nice. so, they don't know what a phone booth is. Yep, you know, it's kind yep. of the super, Superman reference. And I said, I send you back to the closet in the Apple store. You shed yourself in a super suit. suit your personality reemerges. And when you walk out, you're anonymous. You know, nobody's bothering you for a selfie. No one's stopping. You just, you just go on home. But then you realize, wow, I got the greatest job in the world whenever I put that costume on that super suit on everybody knows me everybody loves me when i take it off i'm i'm nobody you're off to walmart to get a dozen eggs no yeah. problem <laughs> walmart would be a good place for us fanatic for us mascot performers to go we fit right in at walmart uh, so it, it is it's so 
fun that you asked that question because I don't think a lot of people recognize they're thinking about what would it like to be famous, but and they're not. And again, it's your your brain miswanting. You, your brain is wrong on these things. Like, well, it'd be great to be famous. And then when you truly are famous, you realize how much of your life has just t been taken over, and you can't get a moment's peace. So, uh, just like Kiss, you're right. What what a great what a great analogy because you could, you know, you can sneak around and people don't know who you are. It, it is really an amazing benefit to that. That's situation. beautiful. Uh, uh, Dave Raymond is our guest today, the original Philly fanatic, and you can find him online at DaveRaymondSpeaks.com because now he can speak when the fanatic did not. Um, <laughs> one of the things that, that I have found interesting, and we were talking about this uh, right before we started the podcast today, is now there's this whole generation of young people who grew up saying, that's what I want to do. I want to be uh, a, a sports mascot. And, and, you know, we have a mutual friend, Andrew Hill, who's uh, serves as slap shot for the Washington Capitals hockey team. And that's all Andrew ever wanted to do. I mean, he did it in high school and in college and, and worked his way up through the minor league system. And now he, he's living the dream. That did not happen for you. And I wonder if if you look back on that as, as some sort of, you know, legacy. Wow, I, you know, I got a whole bunch of people interested in doing this weird thing where we put on furry suits. Yeah, we're I, I call us the pocket protector nerd crowd. Um, you know, we are a small we are a small small group, and you get ready for the rim shot. We call it the fraternity. Um, but um, bing. But we, you know, it it is a wonderful group. And Andrew's a perfect example. Um, very intelligent person, and probably could have done a lot of things with his life. And fortunately, not unlike professional athletes, there's not a million of these opportunities. Right. And I've been and I've been teaching performers for 26 years now. And I used to be worried about, um, you know, giving them f false hope that, oh, you're going to go through this class, you're going to work at it, and you're going to get a job a as a full-time performer. But we, you learn so many things about event production, marketing, sales, um, communications. You, you, you learn all these skills that would make you better on a resume anyway. So, and most of my, a lot of my performers that have gone through our mascot boot camp have. Uh, going on to full-time jobs but there's also a large segment a larger segment that don't but then always relate back to the experiences and how it made them a better employee and it gave them better skill sets so it's funny andrew's case so i've mentioned how smart he is and i and i hope his parents are proud of him i'm sure they are you, you're friends with his dad yep but um there was a, a young uh, young kid that i met a long long time ago and he, he went to duke with an engineering <laughs> degree and he was telling his parents that he was connected with me because he wanted to be a mascot oh boy and now he did end up going and getting you know getting paid to be a mascot he's now working in the it world as an engineer um so that's all good for him but i was scared to death that his dad was going to come to my front door with a baseball bat and said listen dude i just i paid for a duke uh, uh, education you are not talking my kid into going and being a moron for for his life <laughs> you know you tell him he's got to go you know get an engineering job so it it's there is that sense all the time like you know what what are we doing with our lives um you know when you're mired in the the struggle to try to get great at it. Um, and I was lucky to be one of the first that kind of started what you said, this generation. And I, I am really proud of the, um, I still get performers uh, from high school up to college that are calling me at least once or twice a week. I, I'm running a webinar uh, it's called what the heck should my mascot do now? Are you uh, kidding me? Yeah. On the 26th of this month, because, and the, and I told everybody when I promoted, it, I go, I'm calling that because at least 15 
young performers have called me in the last four weeks to say, what the heck should I do now? Um, because <laughs> you're not can't do able stuff. to do yeah. what you're supposed to do. And so I, I do have some great ideas uh, because I've talked to other performers in the major leagues that are doing things. And I'm going to share that information online. We're, we're, uh, we're raising a little bit of money for the Mascot Hall of Fame with their, with their fee to join. And it, and it is. It's, wait, 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 stop. The mascot hall of there is a, a mascot hall of fame. Oh yes, oh yeah, in, in Whiting, Indiana, tw- a twenty million dollar facility, uh, twenty six thousand square feet. It's it is the Disney of mascots, and I, I worked with the city of Whiting, which is just southeast of Chicago, right on Lake Michigan, and it's beautiful. Unfortunately, it's shut down now because of the COVID situation. But I just heard from the mayor that it looks like they're going to try to open on July fourth. That's their hope. Um, and I, we teach uh, STEM uh, principles, uh, science, technology, math, and the arts, uh, because and it's all about going to Mascot University. That's the that is the experience. So you you go to the the science of silliness lab, <laughs> you you go into the uh, furatorium <laughs> and the, and the, the furatorium physical education. I mean, you know, we we are hammering the. Uh, uh, you know, the use of fur, uh, but it's, it really is a wonderful place. And it's, so it's a children's museum is, is a segment that it's in. And we were doing, we were doing wonderful stuff. And, and then of course this hit and stopped it and we're, uh, we're hoping to gear up. So I, one of the things I did for them throughout the course of, uh, before we ever broke ground was to fundraise. And so we're, we're trying to, you know, raise a little bit of, uh, interest and, and support for the hall. That's fantastic. Now, see, that's my next road trip, the Mascot Hall of Fame. Yes, you, you, you will love it. And tell me when you get there, I'll get the mayor. He'll wear his uh, polka-dotted jacket and <laughs> welcome you and bring you in. <laughs> Beautiful. Now, you uh, you were also involved in Gritty, the, the Flyers uh, mascot, right? That's you? Yes, it you, was. You had that, uh, started that anyway. Yeah, one of the, so this is my business. When I left the Phillies was to design and create you know, what we coined as character brands. Um, and we call them character brands because it isn't just a performer in a character costume. Right. It's, it's the memes, it's social media, it's, it's photography and graphic design and messaging and all that. So uh, the Flyers came to me about a year and a half before they pushed the go button and said, we want you to help us. We're taking our time to make sure it's the, the right focus, but we are, we are not going to lose to all the other mascots in the city of Philadelphia in terms of you know, getting some publicity and being at certain events like like the Super Bowl, Super Bowl parade that my lead there, Joe Heller uh, from the Flyers, was watching Super Bowl parade and realized that everybody else had a mask out there. And he said, we're, we're just going to stop missing out on this opportunity. And uh, they followed what's interesting, Burke, is they followed the exact same process. And we deconstructed, you know, what made the Fanatics program run so well. And we deconstructed that. And that is the process we've been teaching ever since. Uh, 1999 um, with our clients. Here's what you need to do. More importantly, here's what you should not do. And then you do what you do well, which is to market and sell your brand. And uh, that's what we did with the Flyers. And the biggest thing they did was total fearlessness. That they, they knew they were going to get hammered because I told them at the beginning, we could create the next coming of the Fanatic, <laughs> but they're going to hate it. So let's get ready for that. And they said, we don't care. We don't care. It's it's for young emerging uh, Flyers fans. We're building the new generation, and if they don't like it, fine. It's not for them. And uh, then when it was rolled out and the and the negativity started hitting full force, I was looking to uh, Joe and Joe's boss, Sean Tilger, and they both were laughing their heads off at these posts that were really 
pretty nasty and and some profane and then they just started to let it go and and shared the ones that were the funniest um and appropriate to share but they shared them and said eh, this is great this is hysterical and because they showed their they're not fear of being vulnerable. They didn't care. And they said, this is for kids. It's not for you. And then when the late night comedians saw it as great fodder for comedy, yeah. then boom, it, it just went way beyond anybody's expectation. And, you know, Gritty's, Gritty's uh, Instagram went from zero followers to 220,000 in 48 hours. It just wow. was ridiculous. And that's because the, the penguins mascot made some, dismissive post and then gritty said he was going to go kill him <laughs> so then our people said yeah yeah you take crosby stuff that in his face you know because they hate crosby and they hate pittsburgh and the penguin was the you know the face of that for a moment and our flyers fans just turned on him and said he might be ugly but he's our ugly and that was the turning point perfect um you now are something of an evangelist for fun and and you come by it honestly um, you've got an opportunity, I think, it's something of a, a, a pulpit to, to preach the power of fun. And before I let you jump, I do want to ask you uh, to spread a little bit of that power of positivity and that Philly fanatic fun for folks that are going through a tough time right now because it is, uh, for a lot of folks, it's a scary time out there economically, health-wise, in, in every way. And, and uh, look, you may feel like that's a little above your pay grade, but there are millions of fanatics fans that I think would love a little Dave Raymond positivity. Well, I, I appreciate the opportunity, and I'll tell you how, how simple this is. And the problem with the word fun is there is a sense that it is wasting time. It's fooling around. That's what we do when we have a break. That's what we do when we want to increase our happiness um, during a happy time. It's not, you know, we can't use that now. And so I tell everybody, the first thing I want you to do is put the word serious before fun. And that suggests that there is a process there, there is practice, there's rehearsal, there's innovation, there's a reset, there's rollout, uh, there's editing. Um, it, just like any other important thing you do in life, serious fun is one of the arrows in your quiver. So you just can't forget about it. And so that's Bill Giles uh, preaching. Just go out and have fun. So you want to recognize it's a very powerful tool that you have. You have to do the other things. So if you're, if you're fighting an illness – you got to go see the doctor. You got to take your medicine. You got to uh, follow the the prescription that that the experts are providing you. But at the same time, you need to figure out a way to distract yourself. And here's how easy it is to do. I'm going to give you this is you know all backed up by empirical science. So yes. it, we call it the three P's. And I want everybody that's listening to this, no matter how bad or how difficult things are, and I know there's some unthinkable struggles that are going on, but it it works there better than anywhere else. So there's a called the three P's, and it, it is supposed to stand for practice, 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 so that you realize you have to do this regularly and daily. When The first one, P, is for prepare uh, or prime your brain for positivity. You wake up in the morning, you put your feet on the floor, and you just think about two or three things that you're grateful for. And it can be simple. I love my dog. We go out for a walk every day. Or it can be very dramatic. I, I, I'm a father. I'm a mother, and I've got kids that depend on me, and I love that. Okay, so th just three things. Takes a f 90 seconds. Then in the middle of the day, you're going to push the pause button. The second P is for pause. You're going to take a break from whatever you're doing. You're going to get comfortable, close your eyes, take three deep breaths, and then I want you to think sometime in your life that was joyful for you, pure joy. You go right there for 90 seconds. You smell the, the aromas. You taste the flavors. You feel the texture. You hear the sounds. 
90 seconds. Open your eyes, take a, a deep breath, and get back to it and recognize how you are refreshed. And then before you go to bed, it's called post, P for post. You are going to sit down and on a scrap of paper, a journal, or whatever you can write on, take a writing instrument and write three things that were good that day. The sun was out. I was breathing. I've got the use of all of my limbs. You know, it can be simple or it can be something that really, really great happened that was unexpected. If you do those things, what I want everybody to do, take a week, give yourself five minutes a day to do the three Ps and figure out how you felt at the beginning of this. And then that Sunday night, think about how you've felt since you've been doing that. And I promise you, you will see an increase in your mood because you're in charge of that. So it's, and it's about doing this daily. It's about practicing. And again, I'm not telling you that you're not sad. I'm not telling you that you don't cry. I'm not telling you that you, that you don't grieve. What I'm saying is during those processes, give yourself five minutes to do those things and it will build long-term sustainable happiness. That's the difference between just a pursuit of pleasure or, or looking to work hard to earn a lot of money or get a promotion. Those are bumps in happiness, but but your brain adapts and they don't remain. They're not sustainable. So the work we're talking about, long-term sustainable, sustainable happiness. And I'm, I'm, I beg people to try this because it will be world and life changing for you, specifically if you are suffering. I love it. And uh, a guy that knows about happiness and knows about fun is our guest today, Dave Raymond, the original Philly fanatic. And I had a fun time talking to you. Thanks for being here, man. I did too, Burke. Thanks for including me. My pleasure. You can visit Dave online at DaveRaymondSpeaks.com and perhaps Dave may crash your video call. You can find out how that will work by visiting him online and pick up a copy of The Power of Fun wherever books are sold, uh, especially online these days. huh? Thank you so much for being here today. The Big Time Talker Podcast brought to you by our buddies at SpeakerMatch.com. I'm Burke Allen. Stay safe. Stay healthy. Thank you so much for listening. Bye, everybody.